everybody. I'm your host, Lisa Shield. Welcome to Dating Without Drama, where I give you my unique take on everything related to men, love, dating, and romantic relationships. My practical yet spiritual approach to getting emotionally naked and attracting what I call a guardian of your soul will be music to your ears. So let's get started. Hi, everybody. I'm Lisa Shield. And I'm Benjamin Shield. And we're the Shields. <laughs> this is Getting Inside the Right Male Mind. Thank you so much for joining us. We know how valuable your time is, so we really appreciate you tuning in. Today, we're going to talk about the two different kinds of exclusive relationships. I may not have heard anyone really define before, especially in the way that we're going to talk about it. And I think it's incredibly important for people to be aware of this because the one thing we don't have is time to waste. Time is our most precious commodity. In fact, when somebody pays you for your time, when you work for someone, they're paying for that beautiful piece of your life that you'll never get back again. They're actually compensating you for your time. And if we think about all of the time we have wasted in dating, in the wrong relationships, going through the motions and not really getting where we want to go to that guardian of our soul relationship, which is why this particular topic is so important. I'm really excited because Benjamin is the one who saw this in our program. We teach actually a 12-week program called Emotionally Naked Dating. And then we also have a year-long mastermind program where women work with Benjamin and me exclusively for an entire year. And Benjamin started to notice that there are actually two kinds of exclusive relationships. And you really need to be aware of what you're getting yourself into. And if the relationship you're in, even if it is exclusive and you've had the exclusivity talk, you absolutely must be clear, you know, not just put the covers over your head and think, oh, well, he's showing up and we're getting along and he wants to see me and everything seems to be going well. You can't let that exclusive relationship title lull you into a false sense of security and find yourself wasting months or even years of your life with the wrong guy. So, babe, what are the two different kinds of exclusive relationships? Well, we define them as monogamous dating and progressive dating. Monogamous dating is where two people agree to only date each other, but it's not progressing towards a relationship. It's kind of the same old, same old. Progressive dating is where two people agree to be exclusive and are taking steps to share their lives together. Mm -hmm. You know, I visualize it as monogamous dating would be going from date to date to date with each other, but it's like two separate lives two parallel lines that aren't converging, where progressive dating is where people begin to share more intimacy, more integration into each other's lives. And instead of two parallel lines, there are two lines that are converging. Right. It's a beautiful image, babe. It's a beautiful image. I just want to say that as you were saying that, I can think of several of my clients who have been in relationships like that. In fact, I had one client, her boyfriend worked for his family and she dated him for quite a while and really felt like, oh, this is going great. And we see each other, we spend time together and all 
but it was really going nowhere. Mm. And she couldn't see that. Mm. She couldn't see it. So let's talk about, like, what does monogamous dating look like? Well, first, you know, it's exclusive. Neither one is seeing other people. And they may see each other a couple times a week, or but it's usually a scheduled night, you know, like a Tuesday and a Saturday or something that is fairly regular. And it's usually at the convenience of one of the two people. And can I interject something, sure. babe? It can often seem reasonable, right, that this person only has Thursday night or can uh, only do Thursday and Saturday. Uh, it can often seem like, oh, well, he's got all these other responsibilities mm. and he's got all these other things. One of the things that was astounding to me was that I knew how busy you were, but I was astounded at how you chose to make time for me. So it wasn't like we were restricted to this rigid schedule. You were finding time and making time for me. But in these monogamous dating relationships, I watch people just sort of getting on a schedule and making excuses for why that isn't changing or growing. Mm -hmm. And both people feel comfortable because they're in a perceived relationship. And so they settle. Mm-hmm. They settle for something that is less than what they're looking for. At least one of the two people, it's less than what they're looking mm-hmm. for. Yeah. So it's easy to settle into a routine and have it not go anywhere. It's not deepening. It's not getting more intimate or vulnerable. And they're not talking or planning for the future other than maybe a road trip here, you know, short vacations. They're really not integrating into each other's lives where it involves a vision of the future together what that's going to look like, how it's going to change from what it is today to how it can be tomorrow. So the commitment for monogamous dating, this one that settles into a routine, is a pattern that isn't deepening. One partner wants more than the other person wants, and the other person just wants convenience. It's usually one of the the two people really want to be in a relationship that's growing, deepening, becoming more intimate, more vulnerable, integrating into each other's lives, friends, families, working together, whatever it may be. And the other person is happy just with the convenience of it. Mm -hmm. You know, they're getting what they need. And in some ways, it can kind of settle into friends with benefits. Mm -hmm. And the person who wants more in this case, they're afraid to ask because they don't want to hear the truth. You know, they're afraid that if they ask for more, it may blow the relationship out of the water. Mm -hmm. Uh, So they go along in the relationship And they become increasingly anxious because they keep looking for, you know, I think I think he's willing to do more. And unfortunately, the anxiety of this one person who wants more may push the person who just wants convenience away. Mm -hmm. And then as that person begins to withdraw, the other person becomes more anxious and it becomes a downward cycle. Right. Right. And so then they get into an anxious avoidant dynamic where... One person feels like this is fine. I thought everything was okay. Mm -hmm. And the other person has been suppressing all these feelings. And then they start bubbling up and you start getting into this anxious avoidant dynamic, which can become really, really, really destructive. One of the big problems is those relationships then go on for a long time And precisely because they have spent so much time together, there's so much invested in the relationship, not emotionally, because they never really got to that level of emotional closeness, but time-wise. There's been 
shared experiences and time and dates and all. And the person who's anxious is really feeling like, well, we've invested months or years of our lives into this relationship. Why wouldn't we want to take it to the next level? And the other thing, too, that we talked about is that it can also settle into a friends with benefits relationship. Yeah, which is convenient for one person, but more often than not, the other person wants so much more than that. Yeah. And then the other thing is that in the anxious avoidant dynamic, the avoidant person keeps going back because once the anxious person capitulates, which is what happens, the anxious person again feels there's so much potential and he's going to come around. And I know that he really has deeper feelings for me. You know, once the anxious person capitulates, the avoidant thinks that the anxious partner has come back because they've accepted the terms of the relationship. And so then it starts up again until the cycle plays out another time and another time and another time. I can think of another client who went on for well over a year in a relationship with a man. And I think in the back of her mind, she knew that something was off because there were some extenuating circumstances. They lived in different cities. And so because of that, they would see each other You know, they could only do weekends and so forth. But the problem was that she still could sense that there was an underlying lack of desire or commitment on his part to want to figure out a way to deal with the distance Mm -hmm. and to bring their lives closer and to talk about that. And here's the thing. Something like distance can seem like a very viable excuse, but In the end, for two people to bring their lives together, they are going to have to find a way to work with that. And there has to be a willingness on both sides to work together to figure that out. Mm -hmm. Um, And then what happened was she had something catastrophic happen in her life and he just wasn't there for her emotionally. Mm -hmm. And he really said, I can't do this. I can't be there after she had spent a year or a year and a half in this relationship, you know, accommodating the distance and everything. So that was monogamous dating. And you have to be very, very, very careful when you're in a situation like that. There has to be forward movement. So to give a converse scenario to that, Mike. Well, just adding to that, if, if I may for a moment. Often people mistake the time invested mm-hmm. with deepening emotional vulnerability yeah. and integration into each other's lives. So just building on something that you said, that they've invested so much time, they think that there's got to be something there. And they have shared experiences, but the shared experiences are activities. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was writing over the weekend and I shared with you that I was thinking about my marriage I was with my ex-husband for a total of 13 years. We were never partners. Did we have fun together? Sure. Did we get married? Yeah, we did. But we never partnered. We never were partners. We were never working towards similar goals and dreams and, you know, sitting down and talking about our financial future, 
where we were headed in life, the things we wanted from life. We never did any of that. In, in fact, the conversations that you did have about finances were repetitive. Mm -hmm. So often with monogamous dating, the conversations that seem deep are just ones that occur again and again and again without any change, without any resolution. Well, I think one of the things that we were talking about earlier before we started the podcast was that one of the biggest issues in relationship is that it can feel like there's all this passion and emotion and intensity, but it's not connected. It's like one person is begging the other person for a connection that isn't happening. And it feels intense. It feels emotional. It feels like connection, but it's really disconnection. Mm. And I just have that stark image in my mind of those two parallel lines yeah. that are never actually mm. coming together. You don't have two people who are really progressing. One person in a monogamous dating situation is just getting his or her needs met. They're going on dates. That person is feeling like, oh, I have somebody to have sex with. I have somebody to go have dinner with on a, Saturday a, night. A plus one. Yeah, I kind of got a plus one if I have a party or an event or whatever. You know, Susan is great to hang out with. She's pleasant and she doesn't put any pressure on me. I don't have to commit. I don't have to risk anything here. And so this is just perfect for me. She's nice. She's pretty. She's easy to, you know, we laugh. We have fun. But there's no risk, there's no real commitment or real plans for a future and integrating their lives together. Whereas Susan's going along in that relationship hoping, you know, for something deeper or for those lines to start to join and they never do. And just before the podcast, we, we kind of invented a couple Based to, on a, yeah. an amalgam of different mm -hmm. couples. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Let's call them Sandy and Rick. And, you know, they see each other the same two days a week. There's a regularity. Mm -hmm. you know, they adore each other's company. They, well, and they, Sandy may have even asked Rick, you know, do you think we could see each other one more day during the week? Mm -hmm. And Rick probably, you know, would have said, you know, I'd really like to, but I've got my kids, I've got work. Mm -hmm. You know, and I need some downtime yeah. and whatever. Yeah. And they adore each other's company. They love when they're together. But the, the personal parts of their lives are more hidden than shared. It's compartmentalized. So they really haven't integrated each other with their friends, their coworkers, activities that they really love doing. Well, you know? one of them may have, you know, mm -hmm. like... like Sandy had Rick over and Rick met her sister, mm. right? Came to her apartment and met her sister. But Rick has made no effort to introduce Sandy to any of his family members, any of his colleagues, even events, family events. There's always an excuse for why it's not the right time or how it's too soon or whatever. And Sandy feels left out and she feels like something's wrong, but she can't quite put her finger on it because at the same time, they're going on lovely dinners. Mm. He takes her to nice places. They even went away for a beautiful weekend up to Napa mm. to go wine tasting. Gifts. Mm -hmm. 
yeah, he brings her thoughtful gifts, but because there's a holding back in a way, Sandy's worried so much about, she's got some very, very big things going on in her personal life. She has a child who has a lot of problems because of her divorce, and she has a lot of difficulty with her ex, but she's not sharing any of that with Rick because she's so concerned things are going well mm. enough and she wants it to progress and she's afraid if she brings any of that to Rick. It'll blow it up, up out of the water. It'll blow it up out of the water. Mm. And so she does compartmentalize those parts of her life because she also hasn't had a green light from Rick that it's okay for her to share those kinds of things yeah. with him. And so it's kind of just remaining on the surface and there's something inside of her that she feels isn't quite being mm -hmm. satisfied, mm -hmm. but she still keeps feeling like he's, he wants to see me. Uh -huh. He paid for this beautiful weekend in Napa. Mm -hmm. You know, he follows through with those regular dates. Mm -hmm. And so she's really confused and torn. Mm -hmm. They adore each other, and they're still parallel, not yeah. diverging lines. Yeah. 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 And so, you know, the consequences of a relationship like that is that she's going to go on along in this, specifically because she is having problems with her ex and her kid, and mm -hmm. he's giving her some relief. Mm -hmm. Yeah. that she needs in her life that is missing. It gives her some feel, something to look forward to. It mm. gives her something to hope for. And also a definition that she has a man in her life. Yeah. Checking that off the to-do list. Yeah, but in, deep inside, it's unsatisfying and she knows it. The consequences of this is that it can go on for, as I said, months or years. And it, almost never changes. Right. So it's it's the same old, same old, same old, pleasant. They adore each other and it never changes and it's never satisfying. I think one of the tragedies is that it can waste years of their lives in a relationship. Mm -hmm. Particularly tragic if the woman was of childbearing age, right. wanted children, and has wasted this time with someone who has no concept of a merging future together other than what it is and what it continues to be, this monogamous dating of the same old, same old. Well, and also, if I can add to mm. that, with a man who will give seemingly good answers for why now is not the time to talk about kids, yes, I want kids, or in some undetermined future, when I get this promotion or in a few months from now, let's talk about it. But it's always like somewhere off in the future. And it's never something that he wants to talk about or plan for now. Yeah. The tragedy also, it, it keeps the anxious person, the person who wants more in the relationship from finding what we call the guardian of her soul. Someone who really sees them together is a guardian and a nurturer of her soul and the soul's growth. So this isn't so much about supporting each other's growth, but being there for each other in the present moment at that superficial level. She gets stuck in this B-level relationship, hoping for something she'll never get. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and they never will integrate into each other's lives. Those lines aren't going to come together. My image is kind of 
this feeling of somebody always holding you, mm-hmm. you know, with their hand out, that you can only come so close. Yeah. Whereas somebody who would be open, you know, would be like, come closer. (laughs) Uh, And again, I really want to emphasize once they get into that anxious avoidant dynamic, if it keeps going on because of the passion and the intensity of a relationship like this, they think that there is a connection when there really isn't one. When what's really happening is that the passion and the intensity they're feeling is really fear and desperation. And because there's no connection and the avoidant just withdraws more and more, the anxious person is just there pleading for something that he can never give. But it feels like a connection because there's so much emotional Mm. intensity. But it's not... And time invested. And time invested. But what it really is, all that passion and intensity is really just fear and desperation Mm -hmm. and disconnection. So let's talk about what it looks like to be in a progressive relationship where you have, you know, where you have an exclusive relationship where two people are progressing and both people are wanting a connection in a relationship. Yeah. They're thinking about the future, thinking about integrating each other into each other's lives in every aspect of their lives. And they're getting emotionally naked with one another. They're saying, I love you. That's another one, you know. That's a big one in a disconnected, you know. Yeah, one of the two people, often the guy, uh, the woman is waiting for him to say, I love you. Yeah. And she knows that he loves her, but he can't say the words. Or she thinks he loves her. Mm-hmm. But maybe he really isn't saying the words because he's really not in love with her. And she keeps telling herself, oh, but he's doing all these wonderful things for me. He keeps showing up. We spend time together. We have great sex. He must love me. And he's just not saying it. But maybe he's not saying it because he's not in love. Well, let's look at what a progressive yeah. relationships can look like. You know, these are based on amalgams of real clients, yeah. but... And many, 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 many yeah. over the years. You know, they find themselves growing emotionally closer with time. They want to reveal more and more about their personal life so that their partner can know them. Yeah, and they naturally want to spend more time together and make time for each other no matter how busy they are. So we have one couple where they really do live about an hour, 45 minutes to an hour apart from each other in a big metropolitan area. And they are so sweet together that they actually spend an hour or more a night on Zoom together every single night. And they play guitar and they talk and they read poetry and they read books together, but they actually carve out that time and both of these people both are extremely high level busy professional people and it's not just time they're connecting they're connecting they're creating a deeper deeper sense of intimacy vulnerability what we call emotional nakedness yeah Uh, 
It's the sweetest thing in the world, in the world. But they feel like a priority in each other's lives. They constantly, constantly do things to show one another that they are a priority. Yeah. They're doing thoughtful things and, and show that they are looking out for each other and want to take care of each other. For example, this was so sweet. We were recording this on Father's Day. Uh-huh. And she had bought his son a gift so that the son can give the gift to the father on Father's Day. Yeah, the son is 12 years old. <laughs> it was like, yeah, I mean, what an incredibly sweet thing to do. And it's not like they've, how long have they been together, babe? Eight months now? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and just the idea that she would do that. This isn't her kid. The little boy has a mother You know, but if the nuclear family had been together, the mother probably would have bought something for the son to give. But she did that, which I just think is like beyond sweet. So they they look out for each other. They take care of each other. Our client's partner wants her to have a really a top notch uh, medical doctor, primary care physician. And so he was actually searching and looking for primary care physicians for her. Just a million little things, the thoughtful and things. I think my first gift to you that that you remember me giving to you wasn't a big thing, you know, financially at all. But what you gave me a triple A car, <laughs> and it was so cute. You said, you know, I think you probably have one of these already. But I get the premium, you know, I'm getting the premium one, <laughs> and there's a place, you know, to give one to to another person. And so I just put you there, you know, just in case. It was the, and I was just like, oh, my God, nobody's ever done something like that for me. I mean, it was just the most wonderful, thoughtful thing. And I saw the love. I saw how you were taking care of me. Just like I'm going to pat your hair down. Ah. There you go. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> and that was early in our relationship. That was fairly early within the first few months. So, you know... They find so many big and little ways to show that they're thinking about each other, right? And their conversations feel open and emotionally naked. It's not just a thing like, oh, we can tell each other anything. They really can talk about anything without getting defensive because they know they have each other's best interest at heart. And even when there are issues or things come up, they're so caring and concerned about one another. I remember our client was a little upset. He bought her tickets to a concert to cheer her up because he knew that something was wrong. <laughs> and she was so touched that he knew that he recognized that she wasn't happy and that he went out of his way to do something really sweet for her. And because there is a genuine excitement about becoming closer and spending more time together, they make conscious choices to integrate their daily lives. It's not like they're relegated to, you know, Monday and Saturday. They find time to be together because that's where they want to (laughs) be. They want to spend time together. And the more time they spend together, the more time they want to spend together. Yeah. And it's not this constant Mm push-pull. Yeah. So, of course, nothing is just 100% perfect. 
But those are the things you want to look for in a relationship. You want to see that you're taking a step towards him and he's taking a step towards you. Not that you're taking a step towards him and then he takes a step, you know, backwards. So there's this feeling of the two of you wanting to come together, wanting to spend more time together, talking about a future together, building towards a life together, and also much more self-disclosure. I remember on our fifth date, Mm -hmm. you shared some very personal things with me intentionally because you wanted me to know these things. You saw the relationship progressing And you knew that you were falling for me. Mm -hmm. And you wanted to make sure, both I think for yourself, so that you didn't get your own heart broken. Mm -hmm. And also for me, if there would be anything that might be a deal breaker, Mm -hmm. you wanted to share everything so that I knew what I was getting into and I could make a choice at that point before we went any further. And that showed me. You were demonstrating by sharing these incredibly vulnerable things with me. So you want self-disclosure. You want sharing. And you want to do that consciously. You want to see a man doing these things consciously and bringing your lives together. So what is the solution? What should people be looking out for here, honey? Well, First, I think it's important to be upfront at the beginning about what you want. When I write the dating profiles for the yeah. women in your group, if someone wants marriage, that's in the first line. You know, I'm seeking my future husband, lover, playmate, best friend, but it's right there rather than saying, well, maybe that'll scare off some good people. Well, there's some good people that may not want marriage. And so it's important that you're both on the same page right at the beginning, that even if you don't know if you're going to be together, if it's going to be happily ever after in a long-term relationship, but at least in the very beginning, you know that you're on the same page, that you're looking for the same thing. Well, and that the word marriage or the word children isn't going to send him running for the hills. Mm -hmm. Because if it does, or if a man really does have a fear of marriage or a fear of having a family and children, it's better to turn those men off quickly rather than spend time in this sort of monogamous dating situation, hoping that he's going to come around. And most mature adult men know just because you have put, you know, I'm looking for marriage and a family that there's a process of getting to know each other and seeing if you're a good fit for each other. But an adult, a mature adult man shouldn't be afraid to hear those words either. Most men know that these are things that most women are looking for. So you don't want to keep going in any relationship without finding out if you're both on the same page and want the same things, right? And once you've agreed to be exclusive, you know, which maybe after, let's just say between six and 12 weeks, just arbitrarily, you need to start to talk about what your future will look like and not be afraid to talk about that. It's one thing to say we're exclusive, we're taking our profiles down, we're not seeing other people. And it's something else to say, you know, I'm taking my profile down because I've never met anyone like you. And if the other person feels the same way, that it should begin to talk about, you know, wouldn't it be nice if we could live closer together? Wouldn't it be nice if one day we could share a house together, you know, buy a house together? 
wouldn't it be nice if you want children, I want children, that, that we could share that in our lives? And, and then see his response yeah. or reaction to those things. Yeah. Does he say, yes, that would be lovely, or I look forward to that too? Does he pull back, look at his body language, watch his, his responses when those subjects come up? Also, I will tell you, there's lots and lots of guys who want those things and will bring them up to you. Mm-hmm. I mean, I did nothing thing except show up and make it safe and give Benjamin a green light. But Benjamin pursued me. In fact, he even brought up the conversation around sex and how he wanted to progress into the relationship. He said, I'm not rushing into anything, including sex. And I've tried this before. It hasn't worked. And he said, I really like you and I really want to get to know you but I don't want to rush. And that was amazing to hear him set the tone and take the initiative. But there are men who do this. Don't think that there aren't. Just because you haven't met that man yet, it doesn't mean he's not out there looking for you. The other thing you have to do is periodically test the waters and make sure you're still on the same page. So even if he tells you at the beginning, oh, sure, I'm interested in getting married and I would love to have kids and whatever, you cannot go along and just assume that because you've talked about those things that he isn't dating you monogamously because he may feel that you're not the one for him But he may be getting his needs met for now in that relationship, and he could just be going along. Maybe he himself doesn't even realize what he's doing until you ask some of these harder questions. And then it gives him pause, and he thinks, oh, well, I like her, and this has been fun, but I don't like her enough to want to spend the rest of my life with her. But that may not have even been in his awareness until that question actually came up. So sometimes it's important to bring these things up, bring this stuff to light and have these conversations because think about how many of us just go along in something because it seems good. It seems like it's going great. And then we don't ask these harder questions. And then suddenly it's like, oh, well, I don't know if this is what I really want. So you got to periodically test the waters. Yeah. So you have to see real forward movement. And the two of you actually bringing your lives together and watch to see if your partner keeps promising things. And if he's not delivering, like introducing you to his kids, his colleagues, his friends, family, moving in together, get engaged. If you feel that this isn't happening, this real forward movement, and particularly if the other person is making promises to do this and they're not keeping the promises after, say, four or six months, um, end it. (laughs) Just end it and don't look back because it's not going to get any better. No, and what's going to happen is you're going to start to build that anxious avoidant relationship where you think that you can convince him or get him to give you what you want when 
What you want is a partner who just wants to meet you in the middle, who wants to have a relationship with you and is coming towards you, wanting to build a future, carving out time to be with you because he can't get enough of you and you can't get enough of him. And you'll sit on Zoom for an hour every night just because you're so crazy about each other and you live 45 minutes away and you can't see each other every night. And by the way, it was him who asked for those Zoom calls, who wanted to spend every night on Zoom with her, who wanted more and more and more time with her, and not because he was needy. If she was tired, if he saw in her eyes that she had a hard day, he'd say, it's okay. I want you to go to sleep. Go take care of yourself. We'll do this tomorrow. And he could see that she was tired and he would pick up on that and tell her to go to bed. It wasn't like he was desperate, but he definitely wanted time with her and connection and to deepen that connection. And he wasn't going to relegate her to two days a week because that's all he could fit in or that's all that worked for him. He wanted that relationship. In fact, eight months later, she's quitting her job where she is. She's given notice. She got a fabulous new job right near where he lives. And they're going to be moving in together in, in just a few months. Yeah. One step forward after another. Two people caring about each other and wanting to get closer. Those two lines converging rather than just two parallel lines. Or as I had said, that feeling that somebody is always keeping you at arm's length rather than welcoming you into their heart. So you really want to pay attention to these signs. If after four or six months of dating, you don't really feel like this relationship is progressing, you're not making more time for each other, it may seem on the surface that there are reasonable reasons why it's not progressing. I'm going to tell you that two people who want to be together, they find a way to be together. Benjamin was incredibly busy. He had a full life. He had a full schedule when we met, as did I. But we found a way. We just, we also lived 45 minutes apart, probably over an hour in Los Angeles traffic. It was a great distance. And one day, Benjamin just looked at me <laughs> and he said, go find a house for us. And I did. We moved in together. And 20 years later which we can't even imagine. We were sitting right. on the sofa last yeah. night and we looked at each where other. Did, where does it go? Yeah, we just were like, do you, Benjamin looked at me and he said, do you realize we've spent 20 years together? 20 years and it feels like yesterday. Yeah. Oh, it's been amazing. Well, this has been Getting Inside the Right Male Mind, and we can't thank you enough for joining us. Please tell everyone you know, your brothers and sisters and daughters and sons and aunts and uncles. Tell your mom and dad. <laughs> tell your boyfriend or your husband. Oh, my gosh. We hear about our friends listening to our podcast with their boyfriends and husbands, which really is such a kick. So thank you all for that. 
that. Uh, please tell everyone that you know about this podcast. We want to get the word out to as many people as possible. And if you know any women who are struggling in this part of their lives to find a true guardian of their souls, please tell them to go to lisashield.com and click the link to watch my free 45-minute session. At the end of that session, there is an offer to come on a free call with me or a member of my team, and we will show her exactly how we can help her find a guardian of her soul now, not five or 10 years from now, but now she doesn't have to keep struggling and trying to figure this out on her own. We can give her a proven roadmap that has worked for our clients to get this solved. Also, go to YouTube, give us a thumbs up, rate and like this podcast. And finally, please, we are going to be doing some episodes where we just sit back and our podcast producer, Carrie Lee, is going to come on and Carrie Lee is going to have a list of those questions that she is going to ask Benjamin and me. So send those questions to podcast at lisashield.com. At the end of this month, we are going to also be debuting our brand new website. Wow. So please, please, please check it out. It's been well over a year in the making. We are so proud of it. Uh, it's like giving birth. <laughs> it's taken longer than a child. <laughs> oh my goodness. But please check it out because I've dreamed of having an extraordinary website and I feel that we knocked it out of the park. I'm Lisa Shield. And I'm Benjamin Shield. And thank you so much for joining us. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. <laughs>